Hello, and welcome to Insights into Wealth with Bull Wealth. I'm Julian Smith, CEO of Bull Wealth. Today, I'd like to introduce you to Bull Wealth's newest partner, Randy Gunn. Randy joined Bull Wealth after many years in the investment advisory and consulting and investment management arenas, where he has worked with and advised many families and not-for-profit organizations on their investment portfolios and overall wealth decisions. My conversation with Randy is wide ranging and covers many topics, from who Randy is to why he joined Bull Wealth, to how Randy advises business owners and their families with their overall wealth decisions, to where wealth management is going in the future. As you know, we like to keep it short and simple. So let's get to it with Randy, and we hope you find our conversation as engaging as we did. Randy, good afternoon, and thank you very much for joining me today. Thanks, Julian. I'm excited and look forward to our conversation. And so do I. And I should say on behalf of everyone at Bull Wealth, we are all tremendously excited and wanted to say a big welcome to you. We're excited to have you part of our team. We're excited to be able to share ideas with you over the many years that are going to come. Personally, I look forward to our conversation today to discuss how you see the changing world of the investment advisory, investment consulting, and wealth management. But before we start, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? And I got to say, I'm super excited to be part of the team as well. A little bit about myself. I think like most parents, the biggest challenge and toughest job I have at home is working with my two boys. I have two sons who is 14 and Cooper who's 12. And probably the best way to describe how I interact with these characters is when they were younger, we set aside one day a year where I would let them plan out the day and basically do whatever they wanted to. And Jacob, being the science and history guy, would want to go down to the ROM or the Science Center and we'd explore things that way. Whereas Cooper was more interested in sports and action. And he would say, Dad, let's go to Canada's Wonderland. We're going to go on as many roller coasters as possible and basically keep me going until I said that was enough of the mind buster. So that was fun. A little bit about my own background. I grew up in a little town called Nobleton, north of the city. Was, you know, normal childhood. I had three boys in the house. I was the oldest of two. My mom and dad, as I was younger, I was very lucky to be able to get involved in their investments and actually working with their investment advisor. And that's kind of where I got my passion for the industry. And I actually learned a lot in the process. A little bit more about my mom. As we got older, she stayed home with us initially. She got into real estate and she developed a practice where she worked with first-time home buyers. And it was watching her interactions with clients that I got really interested in working with people and helping people and just learned that educating clients and doing a really good job of helping them solve problems, making them feel at ease, built loyalty. And it was pretty cool to kind of be part of that process. We would help her in the business. So that's really where I got my exposure to serving clients and of the sales process. The last thing I would share about me is I've always been keen to learn and get smarter every day. And thought leadership has really been something that's important to me. About 15 years ago, I started working with the Toronto CFA Society. For the last 10 years, I've helped organize their annual private wealth conference. And really what it's about is at the end of each year, we go around and we speak to people like yourself and other members of the industry to figure out what is keeping their clients and the advisors up at night. And try and put together a conference, usually around six sessions, that really focuses on trying to solve these problems. And it's been a lot of fun. That's great, Randy. Thanks so much. I got to tell you, I'm going to have to take some of your ideas about dealing with two sons. So thanks for sharing about a bit about yourself. And maybe you can share a little bit about why you joined Bull Wealth. What attracted you to our firm? 
Maybe just could share a little bit about that. Julie, I'd be happy to. And first and foremost, I must say, I did my homework. I did my research having been in the industry for a while. And it was quite a journey. I had quite a few people that I was talking to, and I learned a lot about myself in the process as well. But I think one of the most interesting things that I learned as I talked to you and Kevin and other members of the team was how entrepreneurial the firm was. And maybe it's because I spent so much of my career working at larger firms, but that entrepreneurial spirit was really something I was looking for. And I do think it's something that sets companies apart in the industry. It also might seem obvious, but I was obviously very interested in the investment platform as well, because if I'm going to be sitting across the table from clients and helping them preserve their capital, I wanted to be really comfortable with the building blocks we were using to construct portfolios. And I got to say, as I spent time learning about the due diligence process you guys did on new investment managers, new investment solutions, I was very impressed. And even more importantly, and I think it's kind of underrated in the industry, is the amount of due diligence and rigor you guys put around the ongoing oversight of those solutions, meeting with managers on a quarterly basis, pretty much all of the senior team on the investment committee, gave me a lot of comfort that at the end of the day, we would be building high quality portfolios for clients. And then I think if I was to kind of speak to two other things, where the industry is going, I do believe it's important for us to be able to work in a very collaborative fashion with our clients, other advisors. So this ability to be open to working with other advisors and to focus on integrated planning, I think was really important. One of my colleagues in the industry actually wrote a paper where he talked about the importance of integrated planning and being able to work with clients, other advisors. And the analogy he uses is if you pile bricks on top of each other, you can knock them over very easily. But if you put mortar between those bricks and pile them up and create a wall, much stronger, for sure. And I think working with you guys and seeing that collaborative faction, I know we will be able to work well with the clients, other advisors. And then I guess the last point I'd want to make, but probably the most important, would really touch on the culture of the firm. And I know we talked about this, but as we spoke and I spoke to other members of the team, I really did feel like I was joining a family, not just an organization. And as I think back in my career, having worked at a few different places, banks, independent investment management firms, it's very obvious to me that high-performing teams do have that family feeling. If people are excited about getting out of bed and coming to work every day, that positive energy certainly transforms into excellent client service. And at the end of the day, speaking with you, it was clear to me that we've had clients for 20 plus years. And I guarantee if we were to ask them if they felt like they were part of the Bullwell family, they would say yes. I totally do agree. And culture is such a large part of our organization. It has always been impressed upon me that, as you just said, high-performing teams feel like a family. They have a strong culture. And we've always tried to do that and focus on that. And to be honest, adding high-quality people like yourself and everybody else who works in our business helps us build an even greater culture for the future. So thanks for sharing some of the ideas about why you wanted to join and some of the key qualities of of our business. Maybe we can move to another area. We're beginning a new year here. And I wanted to ask you, what do you think is the biggest challenge facing the investment advisory and consulting firms in today and also for the future? That's a tough question, Julian. When I think about what is the biggest challenge for organizations in our space, what really comes to mind is actually probably the biggest trend as well. So it's a challenge, but it's something everyone's trying to do. And the big challenge that our industry faces, in my opinion, is organizations like ours, the banks, independent investment managers, are all interested in moving from what I call the investment program to the wealth program. And just to expand upon that, an investment program is what we do every day, right? Understand clients' goals, set an asset allocation, 
determine which managers are going to be in the portfolio and then oversight. Whereas the wealth program is things like introducing estate planning, life insurance, and other things like that. And for sure, every business wants to evolve to be able to cross-sell and add additional services for their clients. I think there's benefit to it. What I worry about is the quality of the service being provided because many organizations, in my opinion, are spreading themselves too thin. And I'm not sure if it's in the best interest of the client. I'll give you a couple of examples in that space. But if you are providing an asset allocation to client, are you incorporating life insurance into the plan? At larger organizations, what ends up happening where things like that is they might have an investment plan. They might make a life insurance plan for the client. They might even have a strategic philanthropy plan for the client. But unfortunately, I think what happens is the client ends up leaving feeling frustrated because they don't have an integrated plan. All of those specialists have given them three individual plans and they're left on their own to put it together. So that would be what I would say is the biggest challenge facing our industry. You're absolutely right. Collaboration is so important between ourselves and our clients, advisors, and their professionals who are providing them advice on areas outside of their investment program. And as you mentioned, it's the overall wealth program that's critical. One of the things that we've always got along well on is the fact that we both work closely with current and past business owners. And I know you've had significant experience with working and advising business owners who have recently sold their business. So I wonder if you could maybe share some observations around the sale process and how you advise those individuals. Julian, I'd be happy to. And you're absolutely right. I've spent the last five years of my career really focused on what I call liquidity events, normally business owners selling their businesses. And it's a really interesting process because I'm sure like you, when you see families go through the sale of a business, it's very consuming. They have lots of advisors. But one thing that's been very common for me and all of the business owners I've talked to have gone through would agree that the post-transaction support. So once that deal's done, there isn't a lot there. Quite often they're left on their own. And people don't really understand sometimes from an advisory perspective how difficult that process is to go through. They've spent 40, 60 hours a week quite often building the business, and then all of a sudden they sell it. So they lose a part of their identity. And I think the industry needs to do a better job on the post-transaction support. But my observation is right after the sale, the money hits the account and people come out of the woodwork. There's families reaching out, friends reaching out, charitable contributions. And these people are quite vulnerable. So I do think as an advisor, it's really important to protect them at that point in time. And I guess my observation would be big picture is we could all do a better job of that post-transaction support and just making sure that when the deal is done, they just don't feel like they're left alone. I completely agree. And it's such an important next step. So bringing that to the forefront, how do you help these former business owners after the sales process? Because It's the after that is such a critical part after everyone's left. Julian, it's a great question. And I think the first thing to think about is a lot of our business isn't just about the technical investment attributes, right? There's a big emotional side to these post-transaction support that we need to provide. So I like to start with just sitting down and asking them, how are they going to spend their time? So you've sold your business and quite often they'll tell you, well, I'm going to travel for a year. I'm going to play golf for a year. And that's fine. And they will, and they'll enjoy that. But These are people that need a plan. They need to do something. So you got to get a sense of, are we dealing with a serial entrepreneur? Are they going to start another business? Are they going to give back to their community? Are they going to get involved in another business in a more strategic setting? Maybe they'll sit on a board. So I think that's one of the first things. The other thing that I think is overlooked quite often, what is the impact of the sale of the business on the family? 
especially if you've got children and grandchildren, and if you're talking about the level of wealth, which we quite often deal with, which is going to last across generations, it's really interesting in our industry. A lot of people will spend time preparing the wealth for the family. So you'll have a lot of technical advice, you'll have structure, but, but I don't think enough time is spent preparing the family for the wealth. And one of the saddest things that I hear from business owners all the time is years later after they've sold the children or the grandchildren really consider that wealth to be a potential burden. And that is something you really want to avoid at all costs. So that education around that piece is really important. I think the other thing that I'll just throw out there, and we can talk about a little bit later or in a little bit more detail, is that speaking to these individuals about the three competing investment objectives that I like to say, capital preservation, income, and growth, getting them to think about whether it's a family trust and you've got beneficiaries that need to agree on what those objectives look like, or if it's a couple and you may have mom and dad have slightly different risk profiles. I think that's an important conversation to have as well. I agree. Again, wholeheartedly. But maybe you can expand a little bit more on getting the family comfortable with the objectives that you just mentioned, growth, income, capital preservation, for example. It's a process. So I would say it's a series of conversations that's certainly not going to be done over one conversation. And I think the first thing to understand is when a business owner has just recently sold their business, they have to do a shift in mindset because they've spent their whole life growing a business. So growth has been the objective of the business. And now they find themselves as being stewards of a family pension plan and capital reservation becomes a lot more important. When I sit down in a first conversation I have with all of these former entrepreneurs, former business owners, it's interesting because the first question they have for me is, Randy, what's the return you're going to get on my portfolio, right? I ran a business for 30 years and I generated an ROE of 20%. And there I am, bearer of bad news saying, well, how about 6 to 8%? How are you going to feel about that? The analogy I like to use with people is to get a sense of how difficult that is for them to get their head around because they are familiar with the risks involved in running an operating company, but not so much in running a family pension plan. But it's kind of like going to, and I'm going to use a hockey analogy here, Austin Matthews or Connor McDavid and saying, guys, we need you to be stay-at-home defensemen for the next couple of years, right? They're not going to take that message well. So I think helping them transition their mind from growth to capital preservation and understanding the risks associated with their new role is really important. And the last thing that I'll conclude with that I think we can help them with is going back to the post-transaction support, they may find themselves on their own. Maybe they have an accountant, one or two members of the board that might stand by them, but for the most part, they're on their own, but they are used to having a board of directors and a management team that would support them in running the business. Now they're running the family's pension plan. They need an advisory board. And I think people like ourselves and other advisors can help build them, build that out so they have the support they need to do a good job and really be set up for success. Well, why don't we switch focus just a little bit here? Because I know that obviously we've spoken about business owners, but another area that I know you're quite passionate about and that we've done work with at Bull Wealth is not-for-profit organizations. Do you mind just sharing a little bit about how you work with them and about those relationships for yourself? Julian, I'd be happy to. I think, as you know, I have been involved with the Toronto Rotary Club for the past few years. It's been a great experience. In fact, I've been lucky enough to sit on the investment committee for the Toronto Rotary Club's charitable foundation. So I kind of get experience on both sides of the table, right? I went through the process of helping hire investment advisors. And then obviously over the past 10 years in my career in this space, have really worked with a lot of foundations and endowments. So it's been a great process and I've learned a lot. 
But one thing I will point out that I do see if there's people that are sitting on investment committees or boards and you're working at one of these or with one of these non-for-profit organizations, I think what happens is quite often when it comes to managing the investment portfolio, a lot of work gets delegated to the staff. And I don't think it's intentional. I think if you're a board member or investment committee member, you're meeting four times a year, it's a volunteer role, you press for time. But I would caution people that when you're delegating these tasks, just make sure the staff has the capacity to do it and the knowledge required to fill out those tasks because otherwise we're not setting them or their organization up for success. Fair enough. Maybe we can dive a little bit more into these comments. Like, Would you mind sharing with us a little bit more about how you help these kinds of organizations specifically? I'd be happy to, Julian. And I think working with these organizations is kind of my way of giving back to a lot of these local communities too, because like I say, they do great work. I think the first way that we can help these organizations is really by doing a review of the governance and the governance of their investment portfolio, which really I refer to as the investment policy statement. So that's really the blueprint for these organizations. And when you review it, you're looking at it to see, does it reflect best practices? And I'll give you a few examples. For example, is the risk objective clearly defined? Have they laid out how they think about risk and measure risk? Really important. Another example is, are the roles and responsibilities of everyone clearly defined? It seems basic, but we see it all the time where we like to see a clear definition of the investment advisor. So the person that develops the plan, responsible for the oversight of the plan, and then the investment manager who's responsible for implementing the plan. Are those two roles combined in the same person or is there an arm's length division between them? So these are things that I think are really important. Another thing that we do for these organizations is we'll provide them with a second opinion on their actual investment portfolio. And I know Bull Wealth has a great process to do that. It's very user-friendly. As you know, we like to keep these podcasts pretty short. So why don't we finish with a simple question to you, which is what advice would you have for high net worth investors in today's day and age? Anything to share? That's a tough question, but I think a good one to end on, Julian. I think over my career of 20 plus years in this industry and working with high net worth families, retail investors, it doesn't matter. I would say you want to avoid what I consider to be the most destructive behavior that most investors have. And that simply is to not sell out and go to cash in periods of market volatility. And I think we're going to see market volatility as we go forward here. And we've already seen so far early in this new year. The question is, how do you do that? I think back to March 2020, February, March of 2020, when this whole COVID process started and markets were down, I want to say 30 plus percent. And if you think if you were a family and you decided you got scared, you sold out. So then you've realized that loss of 30 percent. And then guess what? You stay in cash because you're not going to jump back in because you're scared. The markets finish up. So now you've got the opportunity cost of not getting back into the market. So you could have eroded half of your family's wealth simply by not staying in the market. And I think our job as investment advisors is to make sure each of our clients understand the purpose behind each of the building blocks in the portfolio. And my belief and experience says that if the client truly understands the plan, they have a much higher probability of sticking to the plan. So I think that would be my advice. And it's great advice and a timely advice based on what's going on currently in the markets. But it's also timely in the fact that it never, ever changes. One must stick with that plan from the beginning until the end. Randy, it's been a pleasure as always having a conversation with you. I always enjoy speaking with you and learning from you. And I know that we'll be able to share ideas for many years to come, as I mentioned at the very beginning. So thank you for your time today. Look forward to chatting again very shortly. Thanks a lot, Julian. 
Thanks again to our guest, Randy Gunn. Insights into Wealth is a Vocal Fry Studios production. Our producer is Sabrina Brathwaite. I'm your host, Julian Smith. If you want to reach out to me, please email me directly, or you can find me on LinkedIn. Bullwealth is the corporate group name of Bull Capital Management, Inc. and Bullwealth Management Group, Inc. Bull Capital Management, Inc. is registered as a portfolio manager and exempt market dealer in the provinces of Ontario, British Columbia, Alberta, and Quebec, and also as an investment fund manager in the province of Ontario. The information contained in this podcast is not intended to solicit or to provide research or investment advice to the listeners by Bullwealth or any of its affiliates. Also, the receipt of the podcast by its listeners is not to be taken as constituting solicitation or giving of research or investment advice by Bullwealth or any of its affiliates. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part.